Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hello, hello everybody. It is Tuesday. How are you all feeling? Hope you're having an amazing week. I'm so excited for today's guest. Um, I use this page for reference every day and I'm still mind blown that we had this person on here. Like this was huge. Today we have CEO and founder of The Shade Room, Angie Wandu, and you guys, this was incredible. I'm still starstruck. If you aren't familiar, The Shade Room is this really cool page that shares all the celebrity news, gossip, everything in between. And I get all my information from here. So Angie breaks it all down for how the idea and concept came about and what's in store for their future. And they're up to some cool stuff. So if you like celebrity news, if you like Instagram, if you like social media, this is episode for you. So grab a seat, grab a snack, grab a pen, and let's get into today's episode. Angie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. We're so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Listen, y'all don't know. We went through so much. <laughs> all but, the trials and all the tribulations. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm happy to be here, man. This is great. Uh, but before we get started, we always like to do the question here of um, what the term young influentials means to you. Young influential, you know, it means fresh. It means um, influence. It means reach and uh, yeah, so fresh reach, fresh influence, fresh, um, you know, impact. That's what Come it means. Come on. Come on with the Miss America answers. Come on. <laughs> Blessing the kids already. <laughs> well, this ain't going to be no Miss America interview. I'm going to keep it real. So, <laughs> like, that's, that's what we do here. Uh, but before we get into all the cool stuff that you're up to now, Take us back to childhood, Angie. Like, were you really into pop culture and media growing up? You know, I was. Um, I used to say that I was Tupac's niece. Like, you I'm know what dead. I mean? I, I am dead. I, Tupac, was my, Tupac was my favorite rapper. And I, yes, I've always really been into, like, media um, and into, you know, just the whole landscape, always. But I never saw myself being in media. That was never a dream of mine ever in my life. So I, I just was interested like everyone else, but it never was something that I was thinking, oh, I'll be in media when I grow up. I never even thought that could be possible, you know? Were there like, was there anybody that like first came around like show-wise, like whether it's MCs or like hosts or that kind of gave you that spark where you're like, wait, like I could do this. Well, I mean, I love the 106 in parks and okay. the TRLs. <laughs> like I would be the one rushing home from school to watch, you know, Free and AJ. Yes. That was my thing. Big Tigger, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and street. You know what I'm saying? So I no, I honestly never saw myself in, like if you like if you would have told childhood me that this is what I'd be doing, I, I would tell you you're lying. 
Wait, so I would never. I'm curious. What did you, what did you, what was your like original like goal? You know, I always knew I was going to be a writer Mm -hmm. from the age of six. You know, I remember, and my family still tells me, they're like, remember, you used to say that you were going to get an Emmy, a Grammy, and an Oscar. I used to always say that at the Tony on there. I want to be an EGOT. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. But, I was like, okay. <laughs> but, but I always knew I was going to be a writer. I just knew it in my spirit because I love to write. And I just admired writers. Like, even when I was younger, Shakespeare in English class, like Shakespeare, it was one of my favorite writers. You know, uh, Maya Angelou, the, you know growing up, I always admired them and always wanted to have that skill. So I, I felt that I would be a writer, but not not anything else. Yeah. I have, first of all, I applaud you for even being able to, it took me forever to understand William Shakespeare. Like I was the one that had to like buy the Spark Notebook at Barnes and Noble to really mm-hmm. break down Midsummer Night's Dream and all those. Cause I just could not, it just with the, the math was not mathing for me. So, you know. Oh, no, I feel it. The length, yeah, but I loved it because I felt he was such a brilliant writer in the way that I liked his character development and how he would develop characters and the depth to his writing um, was very interesting to me. So, yeah. No, I applaud it. But did you, like, in high school and, like, college and stuff, did you do, like, writing camps and, like, all that stuff and, like, study journalism or kind of, like, how did you grow that? You know what happened? Well, first of all, I never studied journalism because um, it wasn't that type of writing I was talking about. I thought I was going to be like a screenwriter, um, writing music and things like that. Um, but it definitely wasn't journalism. You know, when I started to really develop my love for writing even more so, it was when I was 13. I used to be um, a troublesome child. You know, what people would call a troublesome child. I lost my parents when I was six. I always say I lost my parents when I was six. Let me be more specific. I lost my mother to domestic violence at the hands of my father. My father went to jail for life. Well, he's on parole now, or he's up for parole now, so it's not life. But he he was sentenced 29 years to life um, when I was six. So I, from there, you know, when I was in school, anybody that would talk, you know how the kids would be like, yo mama, yo Mm -hmm. mama, and they would say those yo mama jokes. I would fight, listen, I would fight the bullies. I would fight the big boys. Like, I didn't even fight the girls. Like, it was the boys that I would drag across the quad. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So all I knew how to do, the only way I knew how to express my anger for a long time was through my fist you know what I mean and so I would get suspended all of that and it wasn't until um I moved in with this white woman actually um her name was Kim and she was super wealthy and um they they pulled me from my other foster homes me and my sisters and then they moved us into this home in Bel Air and um and one of the things the first thing that she did was she said you know, let me get you guys into some programs, especially me. She was like, I'm gonna get y'all into some programs. So she got my sisters into like tennis and acting and she sent me to Watts because I I, I was always, (laughs) I was always, you know, different. So she sent me, she sent me down to Watts to this program called Peace for Kids. And, um, and he put me in a poetry team. And I just remember the first time I wrote my first poem, I was cursing. It was like full of curse words. I was cursing out social workers and the system. But it was that day that I was like, oh, my gosh, I am a writer. You know what I mean? And so from there, I began to write. Then when I went to college, I killed my dream because everybody was telling me, you can't make money writing. Like, you're going to go to college to be a writer. And so I killed my dream and went into accounting. And that's when... I became super depressed um, and all that type of stuff because accounting just wasn't for me. But I'm glad I got the accounting experience because now I know how to manage my money. And that was a good thing that I learned. You know what I mean? Through my life is how to manage money well. But um, yeah, it wasn't until after college that I went back to go find that dream. I did take a screenwriting class, Philip Messina from LMU. And I remember he told me, he was like, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. Whatever you do, you know? That's so And I emailed so him cool. not so long ago telling him thank you. <laughs> Come on. It's no, honestly, it's always like those professors or those teachers that like see the light in you before you kind of do yourself or the ones that like really encourage you. Cause there's just so many, like I feel like we don't really talk about like all those, but there's so many. Like I remember I had professors and teachers who were like, You're crazy to think that you can do this, but like the ones who were like, you know, like you can do this, like you got this. It's like you truly like never forget those. And it's like having to be strong enough to have that willpower to kind of like go against the noise of people saying like, Oh no, you can't do it. And even your own internal voice of like, 
you can't do it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody's ever done it in your family. Nobody's ever done it that looks like you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so tough to just, like, have that, like, persistence and that endurance to, like, keep on going and really tap into that, like, no, like, that person's inside of me. Like, I can't do this. Yeah, you never forget those teachers. Right. And so, like, after that, like, after, like, accounting and stuff, like, did you have, like, a first, like, job that you, like, tested out in, like, kind of the, your different space of, like, like the media entertainment realm or, like, kind of what was that, like, first leap when you left um, accounting? No, actually, you know what? The first leap was actually something completely different. So I, um, you know, got a job. I had a couple, like, temp jobs, Kaplan. I worked at Kaplan University for, like, a summer. And then after that, I joined. I, I started to work I went back to accounting because I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. So I just went back to accounting and I started to work as a bookkeeper under a CPA to get my CPA license. You had to work two years under supervision of a CPA. And um, and I was working there. And I remember like uh, it was a motorcycle shop and he was so bad at managing. Money. <laughs> like, I mean, literally, I mean, he, this man wouldn't even pay me my check when my check was due oh, no, because ma'am. he was spending the money on, on the assistance and that he, that he was dating. It was just, it was the most random, weird job. But I remember talking to a lot of the motorcycle guys there and they, they just like would, they would be 40 and just be like, yeah, I had a dream. I had a dream to do this. I had a dream to do that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be like this. I'm not going to be 40 saying, oh, I wish I would have done this with my life. Like, and I, and I, and I remember thinking that and I was like, you know what, let me start a business. And at that time, I wanted to start a business just for money. Okay, like that's it. It wasn't a passion of mine. I started a fashion business, and if you know me, you know I'm not fashionable. Like, I, I wear black. I wear black blazers. That's it. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Uh, but I, I started a you know this fashion business, and um, it failed within six months. It was called Juju's Closet. Um, it failed within six months, but it showed me it made me more confident to start a business. Right. And so, uh, or to like start to, or try something. Mm -hmm. So then after that, um, I told my mentor, I was like, you know what, I'm not doing this accounting thing anymore. You know? And he set up, he was like, well, do you want to be a lawyer? I said, okay, let's try law. I bombed the LSAT. I mean, I probably got the lowest score you could get on the LSAT. (laughs) Okay. Um, and then, and then, uh, after that, I was like, you know what, I want to be a writer. And that's what I'm going to be because that's what I know I'm good at. And he and a week later, he connected me with Jordana Spiro to do to collaborate on a script. Right. So I was like, OK, I ain't doing a thing. You know, let me collaborate. And the story was so similar to mine. The girl, the, the main character's name was Angel and my name is Angelica. I was like, this is my script. So I started to work on that script and then we submitted it to Sundance and it made it in. And that was all I needed. That was all I needed. That was a second push. I'm like, oh, if my writing could take me to Sundance, then imagine what else, you know? So, you know, while I was at Sundance, my um, boss, he gave me an ultimatum and he was like, either you going to come back because it was during tax season. Oh. <laughs> Sundance Screenwriters Lab was January. And so during tax season, you know, the CPA was putting everything on me. And so, um, you know, he was like, he gave me an ultimatum like five days into my screenwriters um, boot camp. And he was like, you know, either you stay there or you come back and lose. He said, either you stay there and lose your job or you come back to keep it. Right. And I was like, oh brother, goodness. like, hold on. Like, I'm like, I just got into, <laughs> I'm like, I just got into Sundance. You got to be crazy if you think I'm about to come back to the motorcycle shop, make it $13 an hour. Like, you know, <laughs> what I mean? so, um, so I quit, but I was, I didn't have no money. Cause remember I told you he wouldn't pay me on time. Yeah. I was living paycheck to paycheck anyway. Um, And so I didn't have any money. And I was like crying. I I, I just, I was like, what did I just do? I'm going to go back and be broke, you know? But let me tell you how God works. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about God because he's just so much. uh, It's like minister the message for the kids. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you how God works. So the moment (laughs) that I quit, I, I told you I started crying because I was thinking about my bills. And then Right after that, I had to go up on stage because everybody was showing their 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 movies and their work, and I this was my first time ever writing a screen a screenplay, so I didn't have anything to show. So I was like, "Well, I'm gonna do my poetry, and that's how I'm gonna show y'all my writing." And so I went on stage already in tears, and then I did a poem called um, "What Was It Called?" 
it wasn't behind bulletproof glass. It was oh, it was called Battlefield. It was about my mother and my father's relationship. And um I went on stage and started crying and really was into the the poem, but they thought I was crying because of the poem, but I really was crying because my <laughs> you know, I had lost my job mm-hmm. five minutes before. And the moment I walked off the stage, Michelle Satter, who was the head of the screenwriters lab at that time, came up to me, walked right up to me and said, I'm going to give you a grant to write. And so right then and there, she gave me $5,000. And that was what helped me, you know, live during my unemployment. Now it only lasted three months, but (laughs) you know what I mean? That was a a That was a pivotal three months because within three months is when I came up with the idea for the shade room Mm -hmm. to start the shade room. And then the rest was history after that. That's crazy. Cause like, honestly, I was, I was talking to somebody about this recently when we were saying like how so many people nowadays are so scared to fail where it's like, you're just pigeon held. Like you won't even try something. And like how you were saying, you're like, you know, let me try a little, let me try this. And it's like, I feel like nowadays everybody just they get on social media and they're like, oh, well, so-and-so like just started on TikTok or started doing this platform and they're now making six figure. And I don't want to like do something if I'm not going to jump off like that. And it's like, you'll never know if you don't try. And it's like, like you said, like you have to kind of just like do a leap of faith and try stuff. Like you can't be too scared to like fail. And in those failures, like, yeah, you might not go as planned, but there's always a lesson in it. So it's like, it's your time's really never wasted. Like you'll always end up with like, you know what? next time I can do this differently. And if it works, we're like, okay, cool. Like I got the formula, but you can't just like be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like it didn't, it's not going to work out. I just like talk yourself down before you even try something. Listen, I always say if you're too afraid to fail, then you'll never, then you're too afraid to win. Cause at the end of the day, it's like this, right? I was embarrassed multiple times on my journey. First of all, the first time I was embarrassed was starting that boutique. I was like promoting it all over my thing. And you know, all of my, Mind you, I graduated from LMU, a private school. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So at the end of the day, those kids were going to USC. They were going to law school, master, getting their master's. They were, you know, going right into Deloitte. You know what I mean? Uh, Big accounting firms. They were were making money. And here I was trying to start a business. So did people laugh? Absolutely. When it failed, did people laugh? Absolutely. You get what I'm saying? When I started the Shade Room, um, mind you, I started that because I was just... I wasn't doing anything. I was just calling on my friends who were in law school or mat- or grad school. And I was telling them about what was happening in the media. And they were like, well, dang, you ain't doing nothing all day. Just start your own company. It was like, start a business if you're going to be calling us. You know what I mean? And I was like, I was like, okay. I took that as a challenge, you know? But I'm going to tell you this. It was embarrassing to begin with because I didn't know that when you started, back then when you started a new Instagram page, it would notify people who knew you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they saw me start from one follower under this anonymous page doing media. And they were like, when I tell you I got laughed at, but all those people that laughed at me are asking, are in the DMs now or in my emails or calling me saying, how did you do this? You get what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, it's like you cannot be afraid to start at the bottom. You cannot be afraid to be laughed at. You can't be afraid to open that TikTok and be like, okay, well, I only got three followers. Who cares what these people think? Because when you win, they're going to act, the wheels are going to turn. The, the will of, mm-hmm. I call it the wheel of fortune. The wheel of fortune is going to turn and they're going to be asking you how you did it. They're going to be wishing they had that courage to to step out like that. You get what I'm saying? And these are from my friends who are lawyers now and successful, but have not seen the kind of success that the shade room has given me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, is that like, you gotta, you, you, who care? You gotta stop thinking about what people think and, and what people say, because who cares about what people think and say? You know what I mean? Like you have to try and you do have to start at the bottom. And this idea that you're going to blow up real fast, that happens to some people, but it's not the typical story. And in fact, I was just reading an article the other day that said that two thirds of the fastest growing startups end up failing. So fast growth is overrated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like take it step by step and really just have patience and build. And that to me is the, is the best way. And it's honestly, anybody can go viral and stuff, but it's like also how you sustain that. Like, we're all saying it's a chicken salad, but it's like stuff like that's like mm-hmm. cool, but it's like, okay, what's next? Now that you have this platform, how are you, how are you going to sustain that? So it's like the whole speed has nothing to do with it. It's like 
is your formula, is your business thing, is it sustainable? Like, how are you going to, how are you going to grow from that? How are you going to like take it to the next step? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, so much of those like doing this and they do that, whatever, whatever they did that. Like, it's like, okay, but cool. Like you got your five minutes of fame, but like, what are you going to do with it? And like, for you, if you're like, you know what, I have one follower, but this is my business plan. This is my goal, or this is what I'm trying to do to grow it. It's like, end of the day, you're still going to win. It's just like one starting with one or starting with like, a million or whatever, but it's like, as long as you have your plan, your formula to how you're going to grow. And also those people aren't paying your bills. So like, why do you care what anybody says? Like, what bill, are, you care? What bill you are they paying mean? this month? <laughs> Ask yourself who was the, who was hot on, on the socials five years ago t- or eight years ago. Remember uh, A-Town, the birds are chirping. Well, uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> You remember all the people that used to be hot? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, sustainability is the biggest thing. Yeah, so it's like, you can come up with, like, whatever, have your moment. But it's like, how are you sustaining that? Like, what are you going to do next? And at the end of the day, it's just like, people aren't going to, what bill are you paying this month? Like, I'm not valuing anything you say. Like, you're not paying my bills. So, like, honestly, that's where I'm going to stop you right there. Like, you don't pay my bills, so... I don't care. Why Imagine letting people's opinion stop you from your ultimate destiny and success. You get what I'm saying? It's just like it doesn't matter. It's like we're still listening to people's opinions. That's so 2003. Like we moved <laughs> exactly. on. Like we're, we're we're still doing that. Like okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like exactly. going back to like Shay, can you like walk us through like how that kind of beginning process was? Like okay, you created the account. Like kind of like what was like the yeah. warning of like getting the stuff. So um, I'm glad we're on the topic of people's opinions because I'll tell you how that played into this. Um, So I remember, you know, my friend, my best friend told me, you know, um, she was like, you know, stop calling me, start a business or whatever, right? (laughs) It was a little shady. But I I took her up on that. And then um, the first thing I did was go online and Google how to start a blog. And I remember at that time, it was 2014, and at that time, a lot of blogs were failing because people, I mean, if you ask yourself, when the last time you went to www.anything, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, to get news, people were starting to get their news through um, Facebook where you would share articles and they would just click on the article mm-hmm. and it was affecting blogs. And I remember when I looked it up, everybody was like, don't do it. It's a failing and dying mm-hmm. industry. Like it's not even worth it. But I was like, you know what? Mine is going to be worth it. But I, I just thought it was going to be a side hustle. I thought it was going to be something small. I never thought it would be big. I just, I just need some money on the side, but also I like to do it. Um, so I just opened the account because I didn't know, I didn't have the resources to open a, a, um, a, a website, mm-hmm. nor did I know how to do it. I didn't have, I'm not very, as you can see why it took me so long for <laughs> me to download that. I'm not a technological, like technologically savvy person. So, um, I was like, you know what, let me just open up the Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter handles. And I'll start blogging directly there, build a, build an audience and then funnel it back to a website when I have the resources to do that. And so that's what I did. I opened up the Instagram. Don't ask me how I came up with the name The Shade Room because I think it was just a thought that popped in. I don't don't know. Um, I don't know. I really don't remember that. You know, I just thought of it one day. Um, So I came up with that name and then I started blogging directly to Instagram. But what I didn't know was that I was disrupting an entire industry by doing that. I didn't know that. I just used what I had Mm -hmm. and what I knew. And so, um, but at that time, it just wasn't, you know, sites weren't blogging directly to social media because they didn't see any um, value in that because you don't own the platform. And we've had, you know, we'll talk about that later because, you know, um, we've had some issues with that. But, you know, I just was doing that. And so people were like, wow, I'm not used to getting news in my feed on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I'm looking at my friend's pictures and now all of a sudden I'm getting updates on news. So because it was new and different, it began to go viral very quickly. I think in the first week I had 3,500 followers and I'll never forget, not the first week, the first three days I had 3,500 followers. And to me, that was crazy. You know, my <laughs> personal page crazy. was like, stuck at, yeah, my personal page was stuck at like 400 followers for years. So I'm like, you know, I was like, <laughs> this is crazy. I remember I called up my friend 
who's still my friend now, still one of my best friends now, but I called her up and I was like, I got 3,500 followers in three days. And I remember she told me, she says, so my, my dirty, my old dirty, uh, party promoter friend has 3,500 followers. Like, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> and, um, I was like, girl, no, you don't even know. So I kept going within the first week, it was 10,000 followers with the help of Tammy Roman who found it, stumbled upon it and put it in her story and was like, y'all got to follow the shade room. And then the shade room from there, it was over. It was like, like every week, you know, it just went viral, you know? No, that's crazy. So that's, that's how it started. Yeah. That's crazy. No, because it, because I remember like during that time in 2014, that's when we all were like trying to figure out like the whole, like, are we all, we were all trying to be fashion bloggers, you know, Rose trying to do that. And then Instagram and stuff started, because I feel like Instagram and stuff started getting popular around like 2012 and like 2012, we all start building it. Then 2014 rolled around, we all were like, Alrighty, like, do we move from YouTube here? Like, how do we kind of use both? So, like, you yeah. kind of got in at like the time where everybody was trying to like figure it out and be like, we all thought it was kind of just gonna like pop up and then like go away. We didn't really mm-hmm. know how to use. It. We were like putting everything on Instagram, like just had pizza in the comments. Ooh, I saw someone show on the yard. Like, we really didn't yeah. know how to use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. What it was. And so, like. After that, like, when people were start, did people start, like, immediately DMing you? Like, I'm picturing it, like, how on Gossip Girl, where people would, like, take pictures of stuff, like, industry people being like, hey, I saw Marion over here with so-and-so, like, just so- It wasn't, you know what, it was, honestly, it wasn't the industry people. What, 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 you know, at that time, Re Navy was super hot. Like, the, the, what, I, I just started to kind of copy some of the things that I saw musicians and influencers mm-hmm. doing. So like, um, Re Navy was was, I mean, it's still big, but it was like you know every you, all the celebrities were naming their audience, and so I remember um, naming the audience, and this this came from one of the roommates. Well, I named them the roommates, and one of the roommates DM me and was like, "You should name us," <laughs> because what ha- what happened was I started to build this audience, and they loved it, and and they were like, they would go to Chris Brown's page. And they would find T on his page. Like oh. he might post something within five seconds. He might delete it and they would send it to me. So I would have that. It was a new form of like exclusives in the sense, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because at that time the other sites did, they mind you, they were still on the website. So they didn't really have access or, or, or utilize their audience in that way. And so I would have screenshots from his page of something he said on Instagram that, you know what I mean, nobody else had. And it was because of this. Or or maybe I would want somebody to step into the shade room and give us an exclusive. Like I remember Mario, Mario the singer back then, um, I wanted some type of exclusive from him. So I told them, I said, go on Mario's page, comment in his comments and get him to step into the shade room. Right. And so they would do that. They would go to his page and be like, the shade room said they want you to step in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so he would step in and respond. And that's when I said, oh no, they're moving like a um, army in a sense. They're moving like a fan base, you know? So I, and, and they were the ones providing all the tea. I mean, I remember um, Wiz Khalifa and Amber Rose were together. Oh, and, and what an there was some scandal. There was some scandal happening, <laughs> and one of our one of my roommates was just walking down the street and saw Wiz Khalifa with another girl outside of his house and took a picture and sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it was like it was, it was it was the roommates as they grew bigger. They were everywhere. They were in every city. They were everywhere. And so whenever they would see something online or in person, they would just DM me. And that's how I began to grow this audience. And then I na- and once I named them, it was a wrap. You know what I mean? Because they began to take ownership and were like, oh, this is our site. We're the roommates. And so that's that's really how it started was empowering them to, you know, do that. And now you see a lot of, um, you know, media companies naming mm-hmm. their audience. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it really is powerful, you know, when you give them a name and, and an identity as an audience, you know? Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. 
Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. And I feel like you kind of tapped into that whole like making it a two-way street where the where the followers feel like they're part of it also. Because I feel like we're seeing media brands and stuff try to do that now and like kind of blogs would do that where they're like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And like try to kind of create that like two-way street communication and stuff. But I feel like you kind of were able to easily like tap into that like the beginning and be like, oh, how can I like make it make it our site, not just like me feeding content, but how can we all kind of do this together and we're now seeing others emulate that now but that was kind of like doing it before the time and it wasn't instinctual it wasn't instinctual at all i mean at the end in the beginning i was the voice of the shade room so i would post my opinions it would be my voice and i was very comedic in a way you know what i mean so they would they like they liked it until they didn't you know what i mean after a while they were like we're so tired of hearing your opinion on things (laughs) And um and so it's important to listen because one thing I do is that you know people criticize me for like my friends because they hate it but I will if I post a story on Instagram I'll watch it ten million times over and over and over again I'll look at who watched it I'll look at who liked it I'll go to their page to see why they liked it and that's what I used to do with um the shade room because one thing you got to understand is that like marketing is psychology that's what it mm-hmm. is. To understand how to market something or to blow something up, you have to understand people. You have to understand how people think, why they like something, what their what their commentary is, what their feedback is. And so once I saw my audience saying, we don't care about your opinion, because they didn't align with this sometimes. They were like, be quiet. They liked <laughs> their opinion. They like their opinions better. And once I t- heard them saying, get up, you know, be quiet, I be, I, I shut up. And I said, okay, I'm going to take my personal opinion out of it. And then I'm going to let you guys have the opinion. And that's when the focus was on the comments. So I would say, okay, we're going to be unbiased and we're just going to be like a, a moderators. You know what I'm saying? And you guys are going to be the ones that give your opinion on what's happening. And that's how they liked it. And that's what make the brand thrive. So I would say, you know, for anybody that's growing a business in any capacity that has to, a, a community is always going to be the biggest part of any business. That's straight up. There's no business in this world where community, unless you're like a B2B, mm-hmm. where community is not the biggest part, right? So you, you know, if you post something and it does well, you got to really watch that as many times as you have to watch it until you understand why that piece of content did so well. Listen to the comments. Don't just listen to the comments. Go to their page and see what kind of people are interested in what you like. I went to the, I'll go, I'll go to their pages. I'll watch their stories. I'll see where they shop at. You know what I mean? I I just want to know about y'all. You know what I mean? Because now that I know my audience, I know y'all like the back of my hand. I know what you guys want to want to hear about, what want to talk. You know what I'm saying? So that was psychology played a big role in, you know, tapping into that audience and being able to grow that community. And it's also like, like you said, that's such a huge thing, too. I feel like nowadays, a lot of times brands and stuff are like, we don't really know what our people want or they're creating these campaigns and stuff. They're like tone deaf and like they don't. And they're like, I don't understand how we got this blowback. And it's like 
do you know your audience? Are you in the, like you said, are you in the comments? Like, are you listening to that feedback of what they're saying they want to hear? Not like, because a lot of times like brands are like, oh, like we know what you guys need, but it's like, are you, do you guys actually know? Are you doing like what you said? Like you on their pages kind of seeing where they shop and stuff. And I feel like you have to be that active and that involved to kind of really connect with your audience and really know what's going on. So you don't just start putting out content or putting out things that, they don't want to hear. And then when they tell you to shut up, you're like, how dare they? Like, it's like, no, like they don't want to hear that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you got, you got to take the ego out too, because if I was one of those um, founders who just was so just needed to be the center, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I would have never listened. Like I should have, and it wouldn't be this big guarantee. Right. So sometimes you got to take the ego out and just say, okay, they don't want to hear from me. That's fine. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I didn't care. I'm like, I understood it, you know? Yeah. And like for next of like as you started to see it grow, like when was it that you decided to be like, okay, like I gotta figure out how to like scale this in a way that makes sense? Because I feel like a lot of times like stuff blows up, and then you're like, wait, like how do I, how do I keep track of all of this that's going on? You know what? That's that's an um, interesting point there because I didn't move fast, and I and I even till this day I don't move fast, and um, I move step by step. And I think that a lot of people, when they're getting hot or when they're going viral or when, you know, they have a brand that's blowing up, they want to move fast. And um, people criticize me for that because, you know, I could have, you know, at that point I had a lot of investors coming to me wanting to invest, um, telling me, oh, you need to hire, you you need to build your staff to a thousand. You know what I'm saying? But but I, was, I went step by step. So at that point, I didn't have money. It was eight months that I had just focused on building the community, mm-hmm. right? But there was no money. And so I remember I was applying for Pinkberry, and Pinkberry denied me, and I knew I was at a new low. I said, Pinkberry, <laughs> I got my degree. And even Pinkberry <laughs> yogurt ain't hiring me. You know, it was real bad. Um, but I, I stayed with it, you know what I mean, and just sc- scrapped up money from here and there. And it was it got to a breaking point where I was actually going to have to close the business if I didn't figure out how to, you know, uh get some money. And I just, again, I looked at influencers at that time you had the Instagram models. It was like, um, BBL. What, what, Mm -hmm. what was that group? You know what I'm Uh, talking about? BBL, you bad, uh, bad bees link up Mm -hmm. with the Taz angels, Taz angels. Right. (laughs) So they were, they were, they were doing their thing, but they were, I, I would look at their page, like how they making money. They would make money by using by posting brands, you know what I mean? The and being an influencer. The belly flat tea. The belly flat tea. <laughs> the belly flat tea. I, was, I was a skinny tea. I was a skinny tea, buddy. So I remember, I remember I copied that. I, I put one post up and I always say, this was the only post I had to put up. And I thank God because, you know, man, I, I'm just telling you, I put up one post and I said, we're accepting advertisement. That day, because I was about to get evicted, that day um, I got 10 brands who wanted to advertise for $75 a piece. Now, they was they got me at a discount because at that point I didn't know my value. <laughs> I didn't know the value. I think we had half a million at that time. So $75 per post was just, you know, not right. But but it paid my uh, rent that month. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so I was like, okay. So after that, you know, people kept, you know, DMing and DMing and I would actually do all of the, the, um, transactions myself. Right. And I would use PayPal until it got too much. And, um, people began to, to DM me about working for this, the shade room. So the first person that DM me, and I had to be strategic about this. The first person I was going to hire was had to be somebody who was going to help me make more money so that I could hire the next person and the next person. So that's what I mean. It was step by step. Mm-hmm. So I had a guy um, who had just gotten fired from Sony. He reached out to me. He said, like, look, Sony just laid me off. I ain't got nothing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> can I come work? He was like, look, I'll work. I'll work for free. And I'll tell you, I, I'll, I'll negotiate deals and I'll get a percentage. I'll get a commission off of the deals I negotiate for you. So I had this influx of people who wanted to advertise on the brand and he would just get a, a, a commission off of that. Once I hired him, I went from $75 ads to, I think, you know, maybe $500 ads. And then, you know, I was making more money than 
I had been, you know, I made enough money to sustain myself and then for him to make money. And then after that, I went to go hire the first employee. And that was the first employee after him, which was a writer. And then, you know, she helped me to write, you know, and moderate the the company. And you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I just went one step, one step. Once I was able to make more money because we had more content on the page because I had another writer, I then um, hired another writer. And then, you know what I'm saying? So it was just like, it was literally step by step. I didn't move faster than I could. I didn't, um, you know, rush. I just said, let me look at the resources and let me hire based on the resources and let me be strategic about my hiring, hire the salesperson first who can help make more money to sustain the, the employees. No, because that's true. Cause a lot of times like companies and stuff will be like, we're growing, we're growing, we need people now. Then they're like, hire all these people. And then like, they get to that point where it's like, oh, the money's not coming in like it used to. And then you kind of have to lay everybody off. And so it makes sense to kind of, like you said, do step by step versus <clears throat> just like rushing the process and being like, okay, I need 10 people now so I can start getting post up and getting stuff up like that quickly. It's like, no, let's like figure this out and kind of like do it gradually. First off, you don't want to spend money you don't have. That's number one, because that'll, that'll tank you. The second thing is you don't, sometimes you don't know who you need. You know, the formula doesn't work the same for every business. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you may hire all these people and you don't even know a lot of these roles you don't even need or are not beneficial to your company. Three, you don't even have company culture. So you're hiring these people and you don't even have a company culture or, uh, you know, a, a business plan or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. you don't want to bring people into a broken vision because they don't know, you know, when you have a broken vision, they don't know. You know what I mean? They, they're yeah. confused. And so you really don't know where the business is headed. Um, sometimes people hire too fast and they don't understand what the market is. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah, don't I want you know, there's this saying that everybody says in business, hire fast, fire quick. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't I, I agree with firing quick because if somebody is, you know, you having somebody that's not right for your business on too long is definitely detrimental. But I'll say in the beginning, especially as a startup, take your time and and build a team that has impact. You know what I mean? Versus, you know, and also take your time with investors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Take your time with investors. Don't don't rush to take a you know a bunch of money from investors. And I feel like that's so good and true because I feel like a lot of times like people are like, oh, I, I need to just get these brand deals or I need to get advertised or I need to get this and just saying yes to in and everything. People are saying yes to the like the the hair pills and the belly flat tea and stuff. And then like later on they're like, oh wait, that actually doesn't make sense for anything that we like stand for and go with. So I feel like it's so important and so key to like sometimes that deal or whatever might take a longer time to get one that aligns well with you. But it's like, if you're just taking any and everything, like your community that you've built trust with, we'll see that and be like, oh, she's just trying to get a quick buck. Like, why is she... Why is she doing belly tea? Like she doesn't even care about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's not even trying to be a BBL girl. <laughs> now I'm not gonna hold you. I started with the belly tea. I did. You know what I'm saying? But, at that point, you know what I'm saying? But um, but over time, I realized I'm like, okay, no more belly tea, no more. You know what I mean? Like so, you know. But hey, listen, listen. Like first of all, I didn't check it if you got it, and. You know what? We gotta do. We gotta do. Keep our lights on. We don't judge here. Like, yeah. Do what you gotta do. Like, if you wanna be with the BBL wave. <laughs> but I didn't know better. I didn't know better at that time. I, I, I didn't know better. If I knew better, I probably would have started different. You know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I just think that's so key. And I feel like a lot of times, like we forget that where people are like, "Oh, let me just get this brand deal, get that deal, and whatever," because they're like, "Oh, my audience is getting hot now. Like, I can just take whatever." But it's like. Brand alignment and advertising alignment is so key and so important more exactly. now than ever where it's like you really need to make sure like these brands or these companies that you're working with like really add up to like your values and like what you stand for and represent because people will be like, oh, she's over there with them. Like they're a little, cr- they're a little cricket. Like, oh, we see how she goes. Okay. Noted. <laughs> what your audience to trust you to know that whatever you're advertising they can trust for sure. Like makes sense. For sure. And then like speaking of audience and stuff, like I feel like a lot of times whenever you're doing stuff like this, it's kind of hard to kind of cater to everybody because you have kind of everybody who's like coming to it. So like, is there a strategy that you guys feel that you do to kind of like keep it with like a lot of the younger, like Gen Z talent, but also balance it with like a lot of the like millennial stuff? Like how do you guys kind of figure out like, 
Uda cover to like cater to like all the different ages and groups and like interests. Like I feel like that can be kind of hard and challenging. It is, but you know what I did? So when I started, I was 23. That's when I started the shade room. I'm 32 now. So I've actually grown up with my audience. And at a certain point I was like, you know what? I'm no longer connecting to the young Gen Z. Like I'm not because I'm no, I'm older, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a grown woman. And so was my staff. They were growing older. They were younger when they started and now they're growing older. So our interests are different. We want to know about what's going on in the politics and, you know, all mm-hmm. different types of things. And so once that happened, I stumbled upon a girl who had copied the brand. And here, and here's another thing, right? Um, I, I'm going to get into the story, but sometimes people will shut down people who they should really add to their team. Mm-hmm. So she had started a, 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 she mimicked the shade room and started a shade room teams. And everybody was like, you got to get her because, uh, you know, the page was growing and everybody was like, you got to shut her down because she's taking your trademark and all that. But I'm like, wait, hold on. This is a young girl who is speaking to the Gen Z audience that I no longer really connect with on that level mm-hmm. because they they have different influencers and different people I don't even I ain't even heard of before. So I was like, and she's connecting well. There's no way I'm shutting her down. So I, I reached out to her. I'm like, do you want a job? And she was like, yeah, because you know I was gonna have to quit because I'm not making money off this. I can't make money off this. It's not my trademark. I'm like, okay, let me buy this uh page from you, and then let me hire you so that you can help us to grow the Gen Z audience. So we that's where we started the Shade Room Teens, which ended up being top ten um Instagram brands on um in 2021. Top it was I think it was number twenty uh media companies. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Media publishing companies, right? And so that was from me seeing. You know, sometimes, you know, you get these replica pages and they do they do they're doing well and brands will want to shut them down. Sometimes those are the people, the very people you need to have on your team, Mm -hmm. because number one, they understand your brand. They know how to replicate it to a point where, you know, there's brand synergy. And then two. And then three, they, they, they're reaching a different audience, whether it's dance, Shade Room Dancers or Shade Room UK or whatever it is. So I never had that mindset of, oh, let me shut you down. I'm like, no, no, you guys are the people that need to be on my team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I did it. I would say the Shade Room is for us bias, right? So that's, that's always been the thing. So I'm like, okay, if I want to speak to Gen Z, let me go to the Gen Z people who know how to speak to this audience and bring them on the team. You got to get people who compliment you in different areas, who know different things that you don't know and add them to the, to the team. Yeah, so that's what happened. Because I feel like a lot that's how we were. Because I feel like a lot of times people would be like, oh, like, we're going to start talking to them. Let's just... Hey y'all, like, and just start throwing out random stuff. And people are like, "Who are they talking to?" Like, you you're bringing out random stuff, and it's like you can tell the disconnect. Instead of thinking of like, let me actually hire the people who know how to talk to this audience in this group, instead of like forcing myself, like you said, like you can't relate to it as much. So we would you would be out here looking crazy if you're like, "I'm just gonna start posting random ones I hear of," and people are like, "What is she doing?" And so, like, to align and be like, no, let me hire, like, this person who actually knows how to talk to this group. Exactly. If you want to talk to the Black audience, hire Black people. Like, like, it's very simple. Like, don't try to sit here and speak another language. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to talk to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Hire the people. If If you want to talk to the skateboard community, get some skateboarders that really love this. You know what I mean? Like, it's very simple. Hire the people that are a part of that community. Yeah, you know? like don't hire if you're trying to talk to like the animal lovers. Don't talk. Don't hire a, I don't know, like a skateboarder or like somebody who's doing hair to do it. Like they're not gonna know how yeah. to talk to them. Like they're just gonna be looking mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> and that's a part of being self aware and understanding your weaknesses and strengths. You know. And that's key too. Cause a lot of times people will just like struggle through it or whatever. But it's like really important to know what you know and then know what you don't know and be like, you know what, like. I'm not really this good with like the social thing. Let me pass this on to somebody now that I have the resources that can do that. Or, you know what? I'm not really good at like securing advertisers. Let me like pass that on to somebody. It's like kind of being aware of like your weaknesses. I think that's so important. So a lot of times we get too proud to be like, I can do it. And it's like, okay, you have the money and the resources to like get help. Like do that. Like don't bring yourself out trying to like do everything, like get the help you need now. (laughs) 
No, that's so true. I talk to a lot of musicians who are like, I, I don't understand TikTok. You don't have to understand TikTok. But what you do need to understand is that TikTok is is music. You know what yeah. I mean? And a lot of music thrives off of TikTok. So now don't try to understand TikTok. Hire people who know TikTok and then have them translate your brand to TikTok, period. You know what I mean? Like instead of just staying away from it and thinking it's going to pass, it's not. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. that's what I tell them is hire a team that's diverse, you know, in their skills. And that's key too. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't need to do that. Like, that's just something that will come and go. And it's like, it's so important. Like if you're a brand and you're not like tapping into being like what your audience or what people are doing and you're just like, oh, that'll pass, that'll fade. Like you're going to be left behind. So it's like, you need to either find the help that you need to help you figure out like, okay, how can we use this platform? How can we use this tool? Or like research it yourself and fit and see like, okay, how can we, What? how do I, does that really affect me? Like I'm thinking of like, all the web three and metaverse chat where people are like, Oh, let me figure out like what that is. Or the ones are like, Oh, I don't really need that. It's like after a minute, like we're all going to need to figure out like, okay, how do we get into into this space? (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm like super big on web three now. You know what I mean? I'm like, let me, let me figure out how to get into web three because we help with web two. You know what I mean? So now it's like, okay, how do we be leaders in web three for sure? Yeah. And then, like, for uh, one of my, like, almost final ones, like, for you built such this huge community now, like, do you guys, like, have plans of how people, of creating spaces where they can, where people can, like, come together and, like, interact in person? Because we're seeing now that, like, people are trying to, like, bring their, like, social, like, groups and stuff offline and kind of meet in person. Like, have you guys ever thought about, like, doing, like, meetups and stuff like that to really kind of, like, build that community offline? Yeah, yeah. So with conferences and things like that, I just signed a deal where we'll be doing some of that and to be able to see, like, can we do a Shade Room Con and what would that look like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely um, the in-person activations is is big. That's definitely something I want to get into. I mean, we tried it a few times and it was it was successful. So it's definitely something I want to continue. No, because I, I had a blind eye for sure. Like me and my whole family, like we like literally my uh me and my sister in laws like we we don't go a day without going through the shade room. Like we were like we were going over the post about like the Drake and uh Twenty One Savage like Vogue stuff and we're like they're like, Yeah see this like we don't go a day. So we will be the first to sign up for that to be shady with all the BBL people and all the, you know, the flat T. <laughs> you know what? I got to ask you a question. I know that this is off topic, but what do you think about Vogue suing um, Drake and, and 21 Savage for the cover? Do you, like, if you were a brand, if you were Vogue, what would you do in that situation? Like, I, okay, so to rewind, like, I saw those all around th- uh, in New York last week. Like, I feel like it was, like, Soho or East Village. I saw those all last week, so I was, like, confused. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone, I get it, like, from Condi's, like, standpoint, it's, like, two major artists are, like, using our likeness to, like, profit off of and, like, do whatever. I would have been, like, I wouldn't have sued. I would have been, like, hey, like, that's not cool. You guys are using our likeness and, like, trying to figure out, like, how we can, like, flip the situation um, and be, like, how can we work together? How can we do whatever? Like, suing, I would be, like, I'm Condi. I don't need the money. Like, I don't, what do I need to sue you for? Um, so that's what I would do. I'd be like, how can we work together to kind of flip this and like figure out something that it would be like a slap on the wrist, but I wouldn't like, I'm not about to take you to court over it. Cause I don't have the time. First of all, if I'm Condi, I don't have the time to like take you to court. <laughs> I don't have time. I was like, I'm trying they to make the money. Time. Like, the lawyers like, you got them butt time. But you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, I understand their perspective because they're like, listen, to be on a Vogue cover is extremely exclusive. And if you allow Drake and 21 to do it, more people may follow that trend and then it doesn't feel as exclusive. That's that's where they thrive is that it takes it's you you have to work hard. They have to recognize you to be on a vote cover. So I understand where they're coming from because they're like, we got to stop it now before it gets out of hand. Right. Before everybody yeah. starts doing vote covers. And if they said, let me work with you and put you on a vote cover next month, everybody's going to try to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To see if they can get the next vote cover. Mm-hmm. Right. So I understand it. But from a cultural perspective i'm like well dang don't we all want drake to pretend like you know what i mean don't we don't we want drake i mean why wouldn't you put them on vogue you know what i mean so it's 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 catch 22 i just i just was interested in what your perspective yeah like i mean i get the art aspect of it like i get what they were trying to do with it and so it's like for me for me like 
I feel like for a lot of them, that's okay. they don't really get what they were trying to do. Like, I get the artistic message that they were trying to do with it. And I was, like, kind of confused. Like, wait, what is this? Like, I didn't know they were doing a cover with them. And But I get also where, like, Vogue's coming from. But I wouldn't have gone to the point of, like, I'm not about to sue you. Like, that's a little too much. I'd be like, hey, like, what are you doing? I'd kind of pull you aside and be like, hey, like, what's going on? But I'm not going to sue you. Like, I don't have time. I don't have, to, I don't have the I time. I probably will say I will probably will say, hey, take it down. We'll put you on the cover next week. Yeah, or like a conversation or I would flip it into like a yeah. PR stunt where we both can profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but for my last question to kind of wrap up, um, my for those who are listening, like, ooh, Angie, cool story. You got it going on. I want to sell belly tea too for my business. <laughs> <laughs> like what advice do you have for those who are like, anybody who's like trying to start a blog now? Because I feel like right now, like, the space is so saturated, so kind of like figuring out of how to build a community and all that can kind of seem hard with like so many options, so many platforms. Like what advice would you have for somebody who's like today, they're like, you know what, I'm in college or I'm starting out and I want to start like building my own community, my own blog. Like what advice do you have for them? Okay, so the advice I have, just because you have to remember when I started, everybody was saying don't start. It's a bad it's a bad industry, right? You have to look at the market and see what's not being, what what need is not being fulfilled. At that time, the need that wasn't being fulfilled was people didn't want to go on www dot anymore. They wanted their news in their feed. They wanted it quick, short. They didn't want these long articles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they just wanted quick, short content to get the news and get up to date. So I think that now when you see that the market is saturated, which it is, I mean, but every market is. How many? Uh, brands of bread are there water is saturated like how many water you got essentials and every <laughs> type of water you know what i'm saying but you you have to nothing is ever too saturated for you to make an imprint if you if you solve a need that is not currently being solved mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying so i would say you got to find your community find out and, and the best way to find your community is to dig deep into something that you are genuinely interested in you know i i'm not really i'm not one to be like because i had that experience of starting a business purely for money to me it doesn't work you know what I'm saying? Because you, in order for you to be, be best in what you do and in order for you to really thrive, you have to have a genuine interest in whatever it is that you're doing. So don't just be like, oh, I see fashion brands winning. Let me just start. Or I see that these blogs or these media companies are becoming successful. The barrier to entry is low. Let me just start. Don't, don't do that. You have mm-hmm. to really be interested in whatever it is that you want to do so that when it gets hard or when you, if you have to work for no money in the beginning mm-hmm. for eight months, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's going to push you. Cause you're like, no, but I genuinely love doing this. So I would say, find your niche, you know, cause sometimes the niche is, can be big. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not always something that could be small. Sometimes if you find, it reminds me of vice magazine. Mm-hmm. In their early years, when they when they were doing their content, they found an audience that liked what they were reporting on, and they kept and they survived through the magazine era when the magazine era, you know, ended, and they they were like, okay, I gotta go, dinner. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now they're being they're trying to be too broad, but I'm just saying that like they had this niche audience, and that blew up because you'll be surprised how many people are interested in that niche that that you're that you're pushing. I would say. If you want to start, figure out what angle you're going to come from that's completely different. Do not start a replica because I'm going to tell you this. The replicas are never bigger than the original, ever. You know what I'm saying? To be a disruptor, you get so much fruit from being a disruptor in your industry, from doing something different and new. Because nobody will ever do it like you. Like, I mean, you know... The, the, you could replicate Nike, but you'll never be Nike. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It. So Talk I would say, don't, you know what I mean? don't, um, don't take a formula and just c- copy that formula. Create your own formula, create your own voice, create your own audience and reach people that you feel are not being reached. And in that case, it doesn't matter how saturated anything is, you'll be able to thrive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it's different, you know? So that's, that would be the, ne- the number one thing I would, uh, suggest to people who want to start yeah because if you're like i want to be just like exo nicole or like we already have that opinion it's like you can't just do that and if you're just imitating and like being not true truly genuine your audience is going to pick up on that and be like girl like 
why are you reporting on like puppies? Like you put in a post the other day that you hate dogs. Like I don't, the mask, not mad, the mask, not mad thing. Like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and you might get, and, I, and to be fair, you might get some, some heat, you know, copying a formula that's already existed. But like I said, you'll never be bigger than original. It just, it's, I've never seen it happen. I don't know if you guys have, I've never seen it happen. Yeah, I um, but I think that, um, I think that, you know, you know, yeah, just find your niche. Like, okay, if nobody's reporting on, uh, like, it reminds me of that fashion blog. Um, what is it called? The fashion. It was a fashion blog. I forgot what it is called. Um, but they started and they just reported. I, I forgot. Let me, let me not even speak on that. I, I don't remember the <laughs> I don't remember the name, but like it was, it was this blog that started and the way that they reported on fashion was so different from everybody else. So like, yeah, there's a million fashion blogs. Um, you know what? I'm going I'm to look at it while we're talking, but there's a million fashion blogs, but the way that the perspective that they came from was very different. Mm-hmm. There was this other site that um, was completely anonymous and, and, you know, Oh, it's called BOF, the business of fashion. Oh, I yeah. love, I love, I love BOF. I love them. Yeah, yeah. The way that they reported on it is just different from from a lot of people, and they were able to grow from that. So, like, okay, if you love fashion and everybody's reporting on fashion, figure out a different angle. Maybe everybody's doing um, celebrity fashion. Why don't you go to the streets and figure out what the street fashion is mm-hmm. from? You know these. Um, just regular people and start to build an audience off of that. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do some, what I'm saying is just come from an angle. Cause I would love to see a site where it's just street people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I want to know how regular people yeah. dress and go to, you know what I'm saying? So like I, I would, and there are some brands that popped up like that, but I'm just saying like, you know, just come from a different angle and um, give the audience what they don't have. You know what I mean? That's that's the quickest way to disrupt an industry and also just to be to grow organically. Yeah, like don't give me leftovers on my plate. I need fresh. I need a fresh meal. Right. <laughs> but Angie, thank you so much. Like this was so good. I literally could talk to you for hours, and I could go into Beyonce's visual album, like because that's what we're all waiting on. Waiting on the tour, like. First of all, I'm so mad at Beyonce right now. Beyonce, I need you to work like you worked back in the day. Back in the day, we would have had a visual album two days after the album dropped. I'm like, what's going on? But you know she's coming out with part two. You know, but and see, Beyonce is going to use this interview again too because she's going to say, no, Angie, I'm I'm doing step by step. <laughs> Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. No. Come on, that album was so big. And if Beyonce don't win her Grammy, Ooh. if she don't win her awards, I'm gonna be mad. No, we will. I, I think was- we will fight. We all will fight. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think she's running up against Adele. I don't want to hear none of that. Beyonce deserves her her uh, her her flowers. No, because yeah, she because the album came out in July, and I think the new Grammy cutoff is September 30th, I want to say. So she should be nominated. But yeah, like, I'm a fan of both, but Renaissance is still on repeat. And how many months has it been? We're still, we're still playing. It's still on TikTok. Yeah. It's still, yeah. It's, it's not going anywhere. Crazy. And we need, somebody said that the visual, it's going to be, um, album is part, is act one, visual album's part two, and then the, uh, the tour is act three. I I think I don't think so. I think she's gonna she's gonna drop it. It's, she's gonna pull it like somebody just like middle. Of the, we're gonna be all asleep middle of the night, minding our business, and then tickets and everything's gonna drop. Because when Beyonce drops the tour, she wants that money up front. She's not giving you a month. She said my tickets go on until Friday. It's Thursday at nine p.m. Yeah. You need to come up with that three hundred in, in four hours. And, and I'm gonna be apologizing because don't speak on Beyonce because she's gonna do something we don't even we didn't even. <laughs> Wow, me so right. Beyonce always working, so I know she got something coming up. Like, yeah. She's gonna bless us, and we're all gonna be. And then somebody was like, "Oh, the different acts are gonna be different genres of how." Because somebody, I was on one like deep TikTok there where somebody's like, "Oh, Beyonce is trying to do music that was always done historically by a black vocalists and kind of take it over." Like mm-hmm. somebody said, "It's the next one's gonna be like rock and then like country music," and I was like. If she does that, the game will be flipped forever because that's and she's gonna do it the best. Period. Ooh, like you talk about nobody can do it like imitate her, it, so. never duplicate it. 
Exactly. <laughs> okay, as we're talking about it, do something fresh and new. That's what Beyonce always does. Like she doesn't follow um, trends. Like she does fresh and new. You know what I'm saying? She blesses so, it. Like she is like, I'm not going to give them what they want. I'm going to give them what they need. She feeds the kids of what they need. She's like, I know exactly. what you need. <laughs> Yeah, her team needs an award for sure. I give them everything, but let 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 me wrap up before we get before I start another hour. But right. thank, you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was great. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino. Executive produced by Chris Aarons and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections.